What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed? What would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of Global Swedish Design and stationery brand Kiki K, and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people to dream. Before I started Kiki K, I had a dream that I could bring Swedish design to the world to create beautiful products that bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to help you dream big. I want to create a global movement to inspire 101 million dreamers to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode, I'll be talking to some of the world's most inspiring people, exploring the powerful impact that dreaming has had on their lives. We'll be diving deep into the power of dreaming with real insights and ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. Welcome back to another episode. This week's episode is one that is very special to me, as it is with the incredible Kamal Ravikant, the best-selling author of Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It, a book that I personally find so helpful during some of my most challenging times over the past year. I was so amazed to learn that Kamal almost didn't publish his book. He was terrified. As a CEO who had fallen apart after his company failed, writing a book about how loving himself saved him, he thought he'd be a laughingstock and his career would be finished. How wrong he was. After stepping through his fears, he shared his truth with the world and what happened next changed his life. His book went viral. For some, his book saved their lives. For others, it was the first time they have ever loved themselves. Throughout the pages of his book, Kamal shares wonderful tools to help us overcome challenges many of us face and learn to truly love ourselves. It's a wonderful step-by-step manual on how to love yourself every day and how this can completely change your life. With Valentine's Day just around the corner, if you are listening to this episode of the time of release, this book is the perfect partner to our latest Kiki K Choose Love collection, and we have even designed a gorgeous limited edition Kiki K cover as well, which I love. I encourage everyone to grab a copy, and hopefully you will love it as much as I do. I truly can't wait for you to hear this conversation with Kamal. I just know you're going to love hearing his incredible story, where you will also discover how to begin a habit of loving yourself every day the power of calming the mind during difficult times, how embracing meditation can help you create a mental loop full of love, how instrumental music can be used to help you meditate, the power of breath as a technique for grounding you and relaxing you, the importance of not letting your positive practices fall away, you have to put in the work to get the results. That the times when you find loving yourself is difficult are the times you need it the most. Ways to let go and forgive yourself for all the negative feelings you have toward yourself. How there is always magic on the other side of fear. That it doesn't really matter what others think as long as you are following your own song. Love that. And so much more. There is so much wisdom in this episode. So let's get right into it. 
Hi, Kamal, and welcome to your Dream Life podcast. Thank you, Christina. Thank you for having me here. Oh, I'm so excited. You have been on my list to meet and to have on my podcast since I read your book. And um, it's really, it feels a bit surreal to have you um, on my podcast. So I'm very, very grateful. But before we jump in, I would love to know when you were a child, did you have a dream to do something or become something? Ah, uh, there's two things I always looked up to when I was a child, fighter pilots and writers. I only realized that recently that I was like, oh my God, I'm living my dream of actually like what I used to look up to as a child. Yeah, that's interesting. And um, done a really amazing job um, with it as well. So um, for anyone who do not know you, um, maybe tell us a little bit about you and then we're going to jump right into the book, obviously. But um, um, I'd, love to, I'd love to hear a little bit about you. You can start wherever you want. Okay, as you can tell, uh, I'm an author. I'm not a fighter pilot, though I do have friends of fighter pilots. I'm an author, uh, something I've worked very hard on for many, many years. Uh, you know, I really care about the craft of writing, about how storytelling can really change lives because books were my refuge as a child, and uh, they just meant so much to me. And now I get, I'm so lucky I've published three books so far, uh, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It, Live Your Truth, and Rebirth. You know, Love Yourself came out, what, a year ago? And it's a book I'm especially proud of, especially the responses I get from people, you know, and how it's changing their lives and literally saving lives. You'd be amazed the emails I get for that book. And outside of that, I'm in Silicon Valley. My work, my career was um, in Silicon Valley. I was I was building companies as a startup entrepreneur. And then I built a venture capital firm and I run my own venture capital firm. So I invest in Silicon Valley entrepreneurs do that. I've been in the U.S. Army. I, I'm a pretty adventurous guy. I like to explore life and learn from life and then write about it. So how's that for starters? Sounds perfect. And why did you then write? So the, the book, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It, it's a one that I absolutely loved. And uh, we have now created a Kiki K cover, which I'm really excited about. I love that cover. <laughs> Thank you. And um, and um, so I will tell my story why, why I really think that this one was perfect for our Kiki K audience. But I'd love to understand why, how you got into writing that. Well, it's interesting, you know, that book has become uh, pretty important in self-help and I'm the accidental self-help writer. I never set out to be a self-help writer. I never wanted to be a self-help writer, you know, like <laughs> I really didn't. And what I did was I wrote this book uh, from a perspective of a man who's sharing something he learned, something that really worked for him. And because I'd worked on the craft of writing, and because I've worked in startups and I have a way of analyzing things and breaking them down, you know, and distilling them to to their essence, I was able to put that together in this book. Uh, but really, I never wanted to write this book, swear to God. Like uh, the original version, which I self-published in 2012, was a little book that yeah, I Yeah, I got that one. <laughs> you do? Wow. That's yeah, amazing. yeah. No, yeah, no, it's funny because that's I I read that was really thin one and um I read that one and then in one of the blogs or something that I'm reading um I was noticed that you come up with a new version and that's that's how I kind of got back to um the latest version. So so tell yeah, tell us sorry I interrupted you there. No, 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 that's amazing. You know, that little book that I put out and I did it because I gave my word to a friend about, you know, something that really helps me and and something I learned really helped me. And I put it out and I hid. I didn't market it, nothing. And that book became just like one of Amazon success stories. You know, it's a little testament to just the power of 
sharing your real self to the world. I thought I was going to like be the biggest laughing stock in Silicon Valley. And you'd be amazed how many CEOs and high-level people I meet in Silicon Valley who tell me that book saved them. And so that book was out for seven years before I put out the expanded version. And the expanded version really is an expanded version. It's not just, hey, I'm going to add some more words because the book was doing fine. I didn't need to do an expanded version. But I did something in that original book that I, I never expected it to take off. I expected me to just buy eight copies and give them to friends. I put my email address in that book. And guess what? When it took <laughs> off, people started emailing me. You emailed me with the new one, right? And yep. I've had, I have, I don't know, tens of thousands of emails from readers. And it's amazing. You know, that, that doesn't count like all the Twitter messages, the Instagram messages, the Facebook messages, and so forth. People have mailed me letters. People have found addresses and might have mailed me letters, you know. It's amazing. And so in these emails, over time, I noticed there were, you know, there were certain questions will come up. And I noticed there was a pattern in the questions. And it made sense because I put out a little short version, almost a primer of what I had learned. And I hadn't written the whole thing. I think I don't think I was ready at that point emotionally to write the whole thing because it meant going deeper, sharing even more, being even more vulnerable, you know. And so what I did was I decided to sit down and write after seven years, like, okay, let me write the definitive work that I know how to on this subject and what I've learned, including how badly I've messed up in it so you can learn from my messing up and what not to do. And, you know, here, watch. It's like, hey, you know, you think you mess up here, hold my beer, watch me mess up, and I'm the guy who wrote about this. But let me show you how that I apply to actually live it. I set out to do it, and I worked very, very hard. It took me a year to do this next version. In fact, I went through a very traumatic injury. I went in for elective surgery, and they messed up, and I died in the hospital in a very messy way. And they had to do an emergency surgery and bring me back. And it was the recovery process was terrible. I mean, just insanely horrible. And all through it, I had the book coming out. I sold it to Harper One, publisher of my favorite book, uh, The Alchemist. And the last draft was due. And I came out of the hospital. When I finally got released from the hospital, I was in so much pain. I was on every narcotic they could give me a script for. And they said, you know, you can, they'll keep on giving you scripts. You, you are the one who qualifies for these. A week out of the hospital, I was working on the final draft of the book, and I realized I couldn't do it because my brain was very slippery on the narcotics, and it wasn't precise. And so I went off the narcotics cold to work on the book. And all I did was I would wake up in the mornings, like sweat through the pain and write and pass out and get up and sweat through the pain and write and pass out because I knew I had to get this book right. I had to share what I set out to share. You know, And I was like, wow, I basically almost died. You know, and here I'm alive. I don't know why I'm alive because I should be dead. You know, a lot of the doctors who worked on me came later and told me like just how bad it had been, and what the the series of coincidences that happened to save my life. And all I did was just get up. I have to get this book right, word by word by word. So I've often narcotics, sweating through the pain. I got every word down until I was just satisfied with every word in this book. And so, which is why I'm especially proud of this, and it really means a lot to me that you know, that you you care about it and you're putting a cover on it and you're putting it out to the world, you know, so thank you. Oh, no, thank you. I actually love that you wrote about, and I, I recommend 
before we had it at Kiki K, I recommended to everyone who was struggling and and I had a really, most people in the world had a very challenging year 2020 and I was one of them as well and went through a lot of pain and um, this book was just really so helpful to me and um, so I just thought we just have to do this at Kiki K and um, I'm really, really grateful that we have it. But I love that you wrote about the uh, the challenges because I think um, sometimes with self-help books it, it in theory it is all really easy but in practice it's it's not as easy as we most of us know so I loved I loved that you actually you know didn't follow your own rules at the end and then um, and then you <laughs> went back <laughs> and you went back and you did it and I read it a few times and when I was going a bit of a rough time I had to to fly from Melbourne to Singapore and um, I listened to it the whole time and uh, it it was so helpful. So I'm very grateful personally, but also I know that so many of our listeners will absolutely love it. But let's jump into the, the book. So let's talk about those three different parts, I think. So all four, there's the vows. So maybe tell us a little bit about that. So here's the thing, you know, I think uh, I wrote this book not as a self-help book. Uh, when I sold it to Harper One and they, uh, the editor worked on it, came back to me and they turned it into a self-help book. And I said to her, like, look, I'm not going to do this. I have to write this book my way. I want to write the truth the way I know how to write it. But, and I think that's why it works because I'm not a self-help author. You know, I'm a guy who just tries, right? Tries his best to learn things and is sharing them. And so what I did was the way I structured it was the first part of the book, because the original version of the book had been had touched so many lives in such a special way, I kept it there. So the first part of the book, part one, is the original book. Someone edited, you know, now that I, you know, after seven years, I know what to add and what to remove away after what I've learned. The second part was something I was especially looking forward to, which was what was missing, uh, was the manual. I was like, okay, now that I've shown you what I've done, let me actually write down a step-by-step definitive manual on how to love yourself. Something no one's ever done. Something that I apply and it's all inner work. Because it's inner work, anyone can replicate it. And it's really stupidly simple. You know, there's no standing on your head. There's none of that. It's just literally simple, practical steps you do day by day. Just like you would, you know, if you want to be fit, you eat healthy, you you go to the gym day by day. Same exact thing. So I wrote this manual and I worked very hard on that part. And, you know, I went through so many drafts trying to distill it down, even down to, okay, there's a fundamental practice that you do that basically wires you that eventually you just, and when I say eventually, I mean very, very fast, you just naturally start to start feeling love for yourself and living living life from that place. But beyond that, how have I applied this for different situations, including like, you know, rough childhood memories and blah, blah, blah. So like one can then pick and choose and say, hey, look, I want to apply for this and this is how, and I'm sharing how I've done it. The great thing about their practice is you can take it and make it your own. You can apply it to anything in life. That's the whole point. It's, it's, it's very human. You know, because it's fundamentally human, any human can do it. So that was part two. Part three was actually a very honest uh, story. When I say story, I mean it's, like, it's nonfiction about a really rough period I went through. And uh, I kept records of it. And I realized in the, keeping the records of it, what I was doing was I had fallen off the practice and I wasn't loving myself. And I had to step up and reapply and re- redo this all from scratch in my head. And so what step three does, uh, part three does, is actually shows you how I'm doing this in my head. My whole fundamental 
point of doing all of this, part one, part two, part three, part one was to show you, like, look, it's possible. It's really possible. This, this can be done, and this is easy. Part two is, here's how to do it. Part three is, here's all the nuances, if you ever have questions. All the questions, basically, by the time I was done, all the questions I'd received had been answered. So my point was, like, boy, when I put this version out, there's no more questions. This is the definitive work that I can put out to the world. And I love the lesson part because I think that's when you really, the way you thought about it and the way you did it and the way you failed sometimes, I thought it was really, really good and really helpful. So tell us a little bit about the manual, so the um, the step-by-step so our listeners can start practicing before they're getting the book. Boy, okay, I'm trying to... I'm trying to think, you know, this, it's like usually when I get to ask question, I'm like, well, I wrote the book for a reason. <laughs> it's very, very hard to just like, you know, honestly, if I could have just put it in a few words, I would have never have written the book. There's way easier books to write. You know, fundamentally, you know what it is? It's mindset. It's, it's heart set. It's working. It's not on the outside. It's about working on the inside. The whole loving yourself actually comes from inside out. Someone you know, once told me like this, this concept and it, that really helped me. He said, look, darkness is the absence of light, okay? Darkness is any negative uh, emotion or feeling or thought you have. Fear, you know, pain, anger, whatever is darkness. He said, you cannot fight darkness. You will be in darkness. You cannot fight fear. You will be in fear. You cannot fight pain. You will be in pain. That's that's the irony of it. When you're in those situations, try to fight it, you just go deeper in them. He said, when you're in darkness, what you have to do is go for the light. And here's how you do it. You find the nearest window and you pull out your rag and you start wiping the window. And light naturally comes in and does its thing. When light naturally comes in and takes away the darkness. He said, your job is not to bring the light in. Your job is just to clean the window and light will do what it does. So I took that concept, and when I came up with this, and I came up with this practice originally just in a, in a, in a, when I was in a really bad place, and I was trying to get out of it, and just I kind of like just worked on myself, and you know through the grace of God figured it out, you know luck, whatever you want to call it. But all I was trying to do was bring light inside, and that's how I did it was with this practice. And then I added, you know, because I have that mindset that likes to like tweak things and iterate and try to figure things out, I'm always working on myself. I started just playing around and trying different things, what worked. And that's how I came up with the whole, pra- basically a fundamental practice. And one thing I tell people is, look, when you read the book, you know, there's this a couple of key parts of the practice, you know, uh, from, a, from a mental loop to um, a meditation, a very, very simple seven-minute meditation then the mirror thing. A lot of people like to just pick one and do it. And I was telling them, look, there's something, with all my experience, what I found was that do them all because they compound and they sh- and and the the results are really dramatic. They're literally night and day dramatic. After a while, you walk around, also you realize things have shifted inside you. There's also a question, which I'd like to, I'd like to share in the podcast because that anyone can apply anytime. And it's a question I started asking myself. And the question was, if I love myself, what would I do? And I love that if before it, because the if stops the mind from saying, but, 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 because if just, if I love myself. So in any situation you're in, if I love myself, what would I do? And you know the answer. And sometimes you follow, listen to it, sometimes you don't, but at least now you do it consciously. And the more you ask the question, eventually you just start living the answer. That right there is a game changer. Just that simple question and because of that if in front of it. In fact, I would start applying in different ways. Like, if I love myself, would I let myself think this? 
if I love myself. I started playing with it many different ways that they're in the book, but they're all designed to actually shift, you know, to coming from a place of love yourself. It's a question that I use a lot uh, since reading your book and especially in the in the challenging time. Sometimes I find it difficult to know the answer and I'm sure if I dig deeper, I will have the answer. But sometimes you think you should do certain things, but then if you really love yourself, should you let yourself do things that perhaps you isn't the traditional way or isn't the right right way, but it's right for me. And I think sometimes it's 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 difficult for for people going through challenging times to know what's right and wrong when you're in that kind of dark space. Yeah, that's a great point, you know, and look, we're human beings, you know, we're, we're learn, we're trying to be our best. We're trying to be better and better, you know, we're better than we were a couple of years ago. We're wiser than we were a couple of years ago. Um, but a question like that, honestly, I think if you ask yourself and attempt to, to answer, attempt to repeat, it's more about not getting it right every time. There is no right. There, there's only an answer. That's the point. It's a habit that you're putting through, you know? So, like, imagine if you're just, if out of your actions, 80% of them are guarded by this. Imagine what your life would be like. You know, it doesn't have to be, there is no right. But that's a that's a great question, and I've never thought of it this way. But there there is no right. There's there's just an answer. Tell us a little bit about the um, mental loop. Well, the mental loop was literally what I came up with when I was in a really hard place and I was trying to figure out because of a vow I made to myself to love myself and then I had to figure out how to live this vow. And, and you know, I talk about it in the book. I, and it was like, well, how do I do it? You know, I didn't go out and buy any books on it. You know, first of all, I didn't, funny enough, I wouldn't trust a book that told me how to love myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't, so I didn't buy a book on it. I, didn't, I was just like, what do I do? And I was started doing, at that time, I was at a real low. Um, I was like, I just started doing the simplest basic thing I could, which was I just started telling to myself like an idiot. I just started, I was like, well, my mind is thinking all these shitty things about myself. Why don't I just start thinking one thing? which is just about loving myself. And so I started to do that, and I noticed that it quieted the mind, or at least in the moments I was doing it, it quieted the mind. And that in itself was a, you know, was a beautiful relief. So I just kind of went with it. And, and then what I did was, after a little while, and I tell people, don't do it right away, because you try to do too much, your mind's, your mind's going to rebel. The mind's pretty protective about it, but the grooves that's built over your lifetime. You have to do it like step by step. I added in feeling, and you realize, holy cow, I can literally create the feeling for loving myself on demand. And then with doing this, you make it a habit. And then before you know it, because, you know, the classic thing in neuroscience, neurons that fire together, wire together, it becomes its own habit pathway in your brain, and you walk around naturally feeling it. That's one of the, you know, kind of like the dirty little secrets of emotion. And look, we all, this a human condition is that, you know, action, reaction, we, we react to the world and feel emotion. Well, what if you turn it around? And if you actually work and you realize I can create the emotion and then act on the world from that place. So imagine feeling love for yourself and being, being so grounded in love. In, a, in, in that emotion of love that, that you create, that runs as running on its own now, is becoming a habit. And now you're approaching the world from there, what life would be like. And I often talk about just being out in nature in the morning. And then if you add that uh, mental loop, and oh, um, yeah. uh, it's just, uh, and, just, and that emotion, it's just, you just feel like you could do anything in life, really. 
Yeah, I was doing uh, Olympic rings earlier um, by the ocean, just looking at the sunset and doing that loop, you know, in my head. It's like music in the back of your, in the background. Your head's playing a show anyway. That's the thing with the mind. It, it plays a show anyway. Why not direct it to something nice for yourself? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> good point, good point. And then, and then another practice that you have is meditation. And I love that it's only seven minutes. But that's because it was your length of the song. But tell us a little bit about how our listeners can start practicing that. Okay, so what I did was, all this thing was built on the mental loop. And then I realized um, if I do it in a very focused way every day, there was something really special about that. And so I started meditating with it. But the problem with meditation is I've always been very lazy in meditation. I just, you know, like I know people who meditate for hours. I just never been able to bring myself to do it. So what I did was I started doing meditating, but to the with the mental loop, but I, I played a song while I was doing it. And I always played the same song. And the key is no lyrics. It has to be instrumental. It has to make you, one, it has to be instrumental. Uh, two, it has to be something that makes you feel good. Something you're like a positive associations with. And I, I, some, I, I don't know how I found this piece, but it came in my life. And it was seven and a half minutes long. And so I just started meditating to this song and this, this piece of music for seven and a half minutes doing the mental loop. And also I added the concept of light. You remember that darkness is the, you know, darkness is the absence of light. So I started bringing light in from above. So just feeling breathing and light and love and releasing all the gunk and feeling love for myself. You know, light and love, release the gunk. And doing it to the song. And the, what I realized was with the song, my mind was anchoring the song into going into the state for loving myself. Very Pavlovian, you know, we we're actually more Pavlovian than we realize. And, and also, it kind of like my mind got used to, you know, points in the song that some points, you know, the mind does wander, you can't help it. But realize, oh, the song's ending. I better go back in the meditation. I would go back in the meditation. So it just kind of like anchored it to the song. And the song was seven and a half minutes long. So the meditation is seven and a half minutes long. And it works really well. It's a great practice to do. Love that. So um, you also incorporated 10 breaths. So tell us about that. The 10 breaths was actually not in the original version. This was in the manual. You know, one of the things I always try to do is like, how do I make this an ongoing part of my life? You know, because I will get lazy. What are the things I can do to uh, just continue this throughout and make it a make it a habit so it just continues with me no matter what I'm doing. On days where I get lazy, I skip the meditation or this or that. The 10 breaths is basically 10 deep, you know, take a moment for 10 to take 10 deep and purposeful breaths where you're doing the mental loop with the light and the love. It's basically exactly what you do with the meditation, but you're doing with 10 breaths. It's a great way to just pause your day for a moment, you know, and do this and just shift yourself. And just continue on. And it's, it becomes habit after a while. The whole point of this, all these practices, eventually you just find yourself doing them. And then your brain just starts doing it on its own. And the 10 breaths is just great. It's just great to do um, you know, throughout the day. And especially like, like when you wake up or when you fall asleep. I often do when I'm falling asleep. It's a great way to fall asleep. It's just feeling, breathing in light and love to yourself, breathing in light and love. And you know what? I'll be honest. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you don't feel that. Sometimes you're feeling the opposite of it. Your brain goes, but, but, but what about all these hundred million ways you've screwed up? Well, you know, and so that. But you just do it. But you just do it. But you just do it. You go beyond the but. You go, when, if it helps, everyone goes, deals with the but. 
everyone everyone deals with that but how can it be true everyone deals with that it's almost like the brain's designed to trip you up so when you go there when you hit that understand that's natural don't let it stop you go beyond it just keep on going to it. keep on going to it it will feel really strange and unnatural in the beginning but it becomes natural really fast because we are wired for love it is our fundamental thing and when you start tapping into it it's almost like something inside you goes ah oh, just releases go oh finally you know, and I'll tell you, there's also the part that, at least for myself, you know, I can get lazy and stop it, you know, and your brain will get lazy. You got to continue back to it, which is the whole point of the part three was a lesson to show you, like, look, here's the guy who wrote the book that everyone's emailing him. Thank you for saving my life. Thank you. You better love yourself. Who stopped doing it to himself? And look what happened. <laughs> you know, and now watch him have to like, oh, God, I was, what I was going through, I was so embarrassed of myself. For, you know, like, dude, you wrote the damn book. <laughs> and here you are. You're not doing, you're not feeling this and I have to start all over again. But then I did it. And then each time it works because we're wired for it. There's nothing, nothing that we're trying to train our mind to do that's already not wired for. And it's not like, I use the word mind, but actually what I, it's more of a heart thing. You feel it in your heart. We're all human and we all go through different stages of life too. And sometimes there are more challenging periods of our lives versus others and it's all evolving and changing. So I, I always feel like I'm evolving to the new version of myself and that new version might not be able to cope with certain things the same way as the other person. And when I started my business, I was, I felt like I was really resilient and nothing could stop me. And then I went through a really tough time last year and um, I didn't have what I thought I would have within the strength within me. So I think that's just, um, it's human and it's, um, it, it's really great that you wrote about that. I love to talk about the mirror because I think the mirror is probably the most challenging one because you feel a bit silly. <laughs> Tell yeah, us about that. Yeah. I mean, I still feel silly doing it you know <laughs> funny enough it's the one i sometimes skip you know it's the one and i even wrote in the book like look if it's the one you're skipping it's the one you need to do to do most it's basically now doing the mental loop again but now being in the mirror looking straight into your eyes and doing it but doing it speaking out loud so now you're telling it to yourself this is a way of anchoring it to your physical self going beyond your judgments of any judgments you hold against yourself and the key is to be so close to looking in the eyes don't start looking at other parts of you because the mind starts jumping into self-talk, self-judgment, whatever, just eyes, windows to the soul, and just telling that deep part of yourself that you love yourself and doing that for five minutes. It's, it's challenging, but it shifts you. It's really powerful. These are practices meant designed to, to anchor it deeper and deeper into your psyche so it becomes a part of you. So after a while, you just, you're just naturally feeling it, naturally and emanating it. Let's go back a few steps because you talked in the, in the book that first we have to forgive ourselves. Why do we need to do that? And talk us through how to do that. Oh, talk you through how to do that. Okay, that'll be, I've written chapters <laughs> on it. I spent a lot of time in those chapters <laughs> trying to get it right. This is just a short version to get people's appetite. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Look, people, I'm not trying to get you to force you to buy the book. This, but although this version is beautiful, you should buy it. I, I can't wait to get my hands on it. Look, the whole thing started off with a vow I made to myself in a really dark place. And the vow was to love myself. And I didn't know how. And I don't know where it came from. And But yet, I, I believe, like, when you make a commitment, you know, like a true commitment that matters, you do it which is why I set out to figure it out. And I did for myself. And then when I shared with others, it turns out, well, 
we're human. If I'm a human being, you're a human being, you do the same thing. It works for you, especially the inner work. What I didn't have in the original version, but I'd done afterwards, and I realized was like, it's almost like you got to clear the slate before you do this. Because one of the, one of the butts that gets in the way is all the all the screw ups you've done, you know. If you're a human being, odds are you have right, and so uh, the the forgiving yourself is what clears the slate, and then you make the vow, and then you do the start the practice, you know. And because you com- you make the vow, you're committed to yourself, and then you do the practice. You're all, you're like a rocket ship, in a in a very interesting way. rocket ship without all the drag that you would have had if you didn't forgive yourself. So it's an, it's an exercise. You know, it's funny enough, I never, I came up with it years ago that I did with an ex-girlfriend by the ocean where I wrote down, you know, I was like, look, write down everything you hold against yourself, everything. And then when you're done, when you've spent, when you've released it, throw it in the ocean. And so I've done that since then. But what I realized was the next step was once you let it go, that's when you make the vow. Forgive yourself, and then, and the same. Once you've let it go, and you don't have to go by an ocean, you can flush it in the toilet or set it on fire. It doesn't matter. But you're releasing it, and then you're ready to make the vow. And it's also very, it's very physical emotion. It's a very, it's an emotional process. It's visceral. It really frees you and readies you for the next phase. Okay, I'm ready to make the vow. I'm ready to commit to loving myself because this is really damn important. Don't make it lukewarm. Go all in. Love is a fundamental part of you. So go for the core wiring. You know, the you stuff you'll write, your, your, your heart and your mind will recognize, you, you know, that your subconscious will recognize. The first vow that I wrote was literally in the place of just, I didn't know what I was doing, but I wrote that vow and I remember thinking, what have I done? But I had written a vow to myself and I had to live it. Funny enough, a lot of people use my vow. They, they copy it, they use it. I, it's, you know, whatever works for you, use it as a template. But it's actually really like a full-on in the moment after you've gone through that visceral release process of letting go of the past. What you, not letting go of the past, letting go of what you hold against yourself in the past. And then just visceral, okay, what am I ready for? I'm truly, it could be as simple as I vow to love myself and period, that ad. But it's the, it's the act of doing it and feeling it, that's important. One thing that I loved in your book, I loved everything, but one thing that I think resonates with a lot of people, if it scares me, there is magic on the other side. How do we get through fear? Because I think when I uh, ask people why they are not living their dream life, whatever that is, a dream life is whatever is right for them, a lot of people say fear and self-doubt. But you had in the book, if it scares me, there is magic on the other side. So how do we get through that? It's like something I've learned and then just have just have encapsulated that to kind of like just remind myself to apply it. And often, you know, it's it's I because I, the whole book is about working on your inside. So it's, it's actually more on the inside. It's like if, if, if I'm thinking something, you know, often, funny enough, loving ourselves scares us. Loving ourselves truly scares us. And I use that to remind myself. Because there always is magic on the other side. That's what I've learned. Like it's almost like fear is a signal that we've kind of screwed up. You know, unless you're in a burning building or the edge of a cliff, you know, yes, listen to fear. But outside of that, like so much of our fears are actually what it's saying is go in that direction, and we've actually uh, screwed it up, and we go, we run the opposite direction. When you go face it and you go through the other side, there's something special there. Even if that something special is the fact that you did it and now you have the knowing that you can do it. Yeah, and it also gives you confidence to then 
think I could do more. I can, I can go through more fear. And I, I just feel like feel the fear and do it anyway. And once you've done it, you just, then you grow and then you go to the next stage and that's how you kind of evolve. Well, you have to, I mean, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you know, you're facing fear every day. It's all about the unknown. You're creating into the unknown. If you didn't face it, you couldn't be an entrepreneur. No, it's true. And also I kind of think that if I, if I don't feel a bit scared or feel a bit uncomfortable, I actually don't think I'm dreaming big enough because I, I you know, now when I'm, I'm looking at the future, I'm like, it almost makes me feel, feel a little bit sick with my, you know, all the stuff that I'm planning and thinking about. But then I'm like, I'm really excited, but, I, but it does certainly scare me a bit. And that's the exciting part. It would be boring otherwise, I think. <laughs> I absolutely agree with that. If it, yeah, absolutely true. Because it's ultimately a lot of fear is just fear of the unknown or fear of like it's, uh, you know, our brain's trying, our mind's trying to protect us. But protect us from what? There's no tigers in our backyard. But it's just we're wired for the tigers around us, but we don't have tigers around us. But that's where the wiring comes from. So I read that you almost didn't publish your book. Tell us about that. Well, you know, the original version, which made this all happen, originally, I just was sharing this this practice with friends, and, uh, you know, it was really helping them. And then I told this to James Altucher, a close friend of mine, and he was like, oh, you need to write this on my blog. And I was like, I don't want to write on your blog because my friends read your blog. And then I made a kind of deal with it. I was like, look, I've kept notes on it. I'll write a little thing. And maybe like, I'll just put it out, I'll publish it as a little book or something on Amazon as a Kindle book that no one will buy if you like it. So I wrote it and, and, and writing it was a great process because, you know, I trained myself to be a writer for so many years that I, it was really good to take my thoughts and put them down this way that helped me actually crystallize my thoughts about this process. And I wrote it and I sent it to him. And I didn't hear from him for three weeks. And I was like, almost really was like, oh, thank God. He hates it. I don't have to deal with this. I'll put this out. Then he gets back to me. He's like, oh, my God. Come on. I love this. This is the best thing ever. This is going to change so many lives. You got to put it out. Sorry, I was busy, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, okay. So I put it out and it didn't do any marketing, nothing. I hid underneath the table and the book took off. The book literally took off and went viral. It was insane. It was absolutely insane watching this book go viral, waking up and seeing the stats. And like you go on Facebook and all of a sudden there's all these tags, all these people are sharing. Back then, I think in 2012, 2013, Facebook was a dominant platform. So everyone was sharing on Facebook. Like everywhere I looked, there was about this, people were sharing the about this book. This little tiny book that I just made cheap and put it out. I never make, made it expensive. And it was like, then I started getting emails from all over the world in countries it was not available. Then I looked and it was like available in torrents and all these downloads. I was like, huh, I guess I've made it. If, if someone is torrenting, stealing your work, that's a, that's a sign that you've made, that you've done something of value, that somebody wants to steal it, you know? And you know what beautiful, one beautiful thing about publishing this, uh, this expanded edition, first of all, that is, I really do think the original was, was a taste. This is the fundamental book that I, that I, was meant to write on the subject is that it's coming out of languages all over the world and how i can tell is because you know i stick with what i did before i put my email in the book what countries i start getting emails from so this two weeks ago i started getting emails from russians i was like ah that means it must have come out in russia yeah so that's how i can tell it's been translating their languages and now because of instagram people posted on instagram so I've, I've seen seen the cover the the russian cover and it's really cool just seeing it spread all over the world and in, in all the local i think right now it's been sold on like 16 or 18 different languages and those are my words i can't i can't read them they're different languages but they're my 
words written from my heart to the world. It's amazing. And it's so good you did it. We're very grateful um, that you did. Thank you. (laughs) You talk in your book, A Simple Way to Happiness, a concept that you use with book ending the day. Could you explain what that means for people? You would have to remind me. Why don't you tell me about it? I think it was that you don't use social media or your phone or emails. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, let me be very honest. I go through periods. (laughs) Of course, of course, like we all do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it was like beginning of the day, especially when I'm working on something very important, like when I'm working hard, whether it's usually it's a a book or, or if it's like, I'm work these days I don't I'm not doing startups, so I'm actually fun investing in startups. In fact I built my second fund recently. Um but then I like you get up and you you just time for yourself. It's not the world. It's and the when I say the world, I mean that thing inside your phone. That's the world. You know, inside that little device is the world. You put the bef- you take care of, you know, you a little time for yourself before before you give yourself to the world. And same thing at night, you know. It's time for yourself, not for the world. And usually just reading a book, you know, something and creative unwinding or reading something or, or meditating or, you know, doing the love yourself 10 breaths. But just, just kind of like you start the day that way, you end that day, day that way, you bookend it. It's a great practice. Thank you for reminding me. I'd forgotten it. I haven't been doing it, honestly. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> no, but I also do think that you say in the book, uh, I'm just trying to refresh my memory now. I think you actually say that you – we all, I mean, routines like that, we all sleep, like we all have, you know, periods in our life where, you know, we are really wired into the world and then we have have times where we need space. Um, so that's very natural. I think most of us like are like that. But I think you said that every time you go back to that, you feel really good. So, yeah, maybe it's time for you to go back to I that too. I think it's time. I think it's <laughs> but I'm, time. Glad, I'm glad you answered my emails now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am incredibly inspired, but before we finish up, I love to ask a couple of quicker questions. If you could give one piece of advice to the next generation to help them live their dream life, what would you say? Follow your song, you know, it will lead you to your stuff, whatever your thing is. You know, that comes from our conversation. I've never used that for a term before, follow your song, but I love it. It really is. Follow your song. And you write and create your own song, not anyone else's Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. I am such an avid reader, hence coming across your original book and the second book. Very grateful for that. (laughs) Thank you. So I'm always interested to know, do you have a favorite book and why? And I know you you call yourself not a self-help author. I'm not. I am the accidental (laughs) self-help author, I swear to you. Have you got a favorite self-help book? I wouldn't call it a self-help book, but it really is a book that was transformative for me when I read it in many ways because it's such a beautiful book. The Alchemist by Paula Coelho. Oh, yes. Yeah, love such that. Such a beautiful book. And I've bought so many copies over the years, and every few years I read it again. And he pulled off something special, something rare in writing that book. You know, like you come across these books and not many of them in your life where the author pulled off something so human and beautiful. And there's a few like that. There's The Little Prince by Sonic Supery. You know, there's, um, but The Alchemist was was one that I'd recommend everyone to read. You'll never regret reading that book. No, and I think it's a book that you can reread like a million times and you get something different from it each time depending on where you are 
um, at that given time. So, yeah, I love that book too. And I, because Swedish is my first language, I have it in both because I sometimes, wow. um, I prefer I prefer reading it in English, but sometimes I just love reading in my natural language. And um, it's not never the same, but I kind of get something different from it. But you probably don't know much about Kiki K, but if you have a favorite Kiki K product or a favorite stationary product. You know what? I just love, I'm sorry, I don't have a favorite Kiki K product, but I would love to. Not have yet. <laughs> Not yet. It's I, coming, it's coming right. your way. <laughs> absolutely right. Um, I love great like notebooks, like notebooks to write in. Yeah. You know, simple, very simple design, you know, not made of like beautiful paper. Sometimes I would carry small ones in my back pocket. I would write in them or just a small one to always have in, you know, with me or in my bedroom or office or whatever. Like, in fact, the first vow, you know, it was just like a journal. I had like that, a Moleskin, uh, small little Moleskin book I had sitting in my desk that I wrote in, uh, that vow. And I love beautiful stationery and like a, a really nice pen, you know, just to write out. So I'm assuming you have some of those. Yes, you. I, we sure have. And there will be a little pack um, coming coming your way soon. And with your, obviously with um, our version of your beautiful book. So um so yes, I can't wait. I mean, when when I saw that cover, I was just, I was really moved. You know, thank you. No, thank you. Well, and the last question I have for you is: if you could give yourself, like, just going back, knowing what you know now, what kind of advice would you give yourself, say, when you were in your late teens? God, I wish I had had this book. I wish I'd have read this book and applied it. Holy cow! That sometimes I really think about that. Sometimes I have these regrets that I. I wish I'd known this earlier. And and also, like, I wish I'd, then I have regrets. I wish I didn't get lazy about it at times in my life when I didn't know it. <laughs> but that's part of your story. That's part of your song. I guess. But at some point, you know, the tune's changing. You know, the tune's got to change. It can't be the same riff. Like, it's boring. But, yeah, like, I would have. I would have loved to have known this. I had no idea about this, anything like this. You know, what I grew up in, we came from nothing. You know, it was more survival than anything. I had no idea about any of this. It was just trying to survive and get, and get out of it and go build a life. You know, that's what it was about. So I knew nothing about this. And this is what I would have given to myself. Yeah, which is a great advice. Um, but the good thing is that uh, the silver linings, um, having gone through what you have gone through, uh, then are helping a lot of people around the world. So thank you so very much, first, for letting us do your book at Kiki K. So we'll link to that for anyone who's listening, obviously. And then thank you for being such an inspiration um, for so many of us who have been struggling. And I decided to do this one for Valentine's because I think sometimes with Valentine's it's all about romantic love or, but I think, you know, the first step is loving yourself and then everything else falls into place when that happens. So I wanted to put it in because I think Valentine sometimes can be depressing for people. Uh, and I think this will give anyone who needs it a very, very nice Valentine's gift. Yeah. And also if, if um, whoever's listening, if you, you know, if you email me, uh, you know, my email's in the book, uh, let me know you'd kind of, it was a Kiki K version. That would be awesome to hear. <laughs> yes. And copy me in. <laughs> Or you can forward it to me. <laughs> yeah, I will. Thank you so very much. And um, I, can't, I can't wait to um, watch out for your next book and um, obviously also listen to your podcast. So thank you so much for um, coming on today. Thank you. 
Wow, I just love Kamal's passion for self-love and storytelling. He is such an inspiration. Personally, I love how he writes about his own challenges on his path to self-love in order to help others. I have read this book cover to cover a few times and found it truly helped me work through my own challenges. I am so grateful to him and I cannot wait for you to read it as well. I encourage you all to grab a copy and hopefully you will love it as much as I do. We have a gorgeous limited edition cover copy available at Kiki K right now as well. It's a perfect gift for yourself or a loved one. And while you're there, don't forget to check out our beautiful new Choose Love collection, full of beautiful stationery and gifts to help you celebrate love in all its forms. If you love this episode and have been inspired to make any positive changes after hearing this episode, I would love you to join my private Facebook group for Your Dream Life podcast so you can share and learn with a group of like-minded dreamers. I will link to it in the show notes. We have so many more inspiring guests lined up in the coming months, so please remember to subscribe so you don't miss any. And don't forget to tell us what you thought by leaving us a review. I love hearing from you, and I'm so grateful for all the comments. So thank you so much. If you want to see more about what's happening in my world, you can always follow me on Instagram at Christina Kikike. Until next time, remember to love yourself like your life depends on it. And of course, dream big. Dream big.